God is so good this morning. How many believe that? I believe it with all of my heart. I believe that he was just waiting for us to get here. He came in early this morning. Do you realize that? He came in early just watching who's going to come through the doors, welcoming you with his spirit. Uh, before every service, I pray that his spirit would be in here in a mighty way that would welcome anyone and everyone into this place. So that when they come in here, they might come in here one way, but they're going to leave another way. Amen? And I don't mean out the back door. Amen? I mean changed and I mean transformed. Well, I uh, welcome our first-time visitors. We are so blessed to have you with us this morning. I want to start out with a little story I heard about a very nervous airline passenger who one day was pacing through the airport because his flight had gotten delayed because of uh, bad weather. Well, during his walk through the airport, he ran across a life insurance machine where he could purchase $100,000 worth of life insurance uh, just in case of an untimely death on his flight, $100,000 worth of life insurance for $3. Well, he looks out the window and he sees the clouds and the thunder and the, hears the thunder and sees the lightning, thinks of his family back home, and he thinks, man, I'd be a fool not to purchase that coverage for only $3, so he takes out the coverage. He then is feeling a little bit better, so he looks for a place to eat. He goes down to the restaurant area of the airport, uh, finds a Chinese place. He loves Chinese. He's sitting there enjoying his meal, relaxing, until he reads his fortune cookie. The fortune cookie reads, your recent investment will pay huge dividends. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> that would make you stop and worry a little bit. Amen? Stop and think. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me to the 23rd Psalm. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll have the scriptures up on the screen. But today we're beginning a six-week uh, sermon series on Psalms 23. And if you want to find that, if you're looking for it, just open your Bible to about the middle. You're going to probably land in Psalms or just to the right of Psalms, but you'll be close. But this Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, is one of the most familiar passages in all of the Bible. I'd say it's probably just second probably to John 3.16. But this passage has actually provided comfort and hope for people, billions of people, for over 3,000 years. You know, we read this psalm at most funerals. We recite it whenever we're afraid or when we're worried. When tragedy and trouble hit this psalm, the words in this psalm bring us comfort and hope. And it's the topic in text for hundreds of songs in our Christian faith. Hundreds of songs. And not, it's not only limited to our Christian faith. A lot of secular music combines the 23rd Psalm with it as well. But if you don't know this, the Psalms are actually a group of Hebrew songs. Did you know that? They were actually written as Hebrew songs. So out of the 150 songs in this collection, in the Psalms, this 23rd Psalm is the most popular of them all. But what is it about this Psalms 23 that touches the heart of so many people? Well, for the next several weeks, we're going to take a closer look at the 23rd Psalm. Uh, most of us, or many of us, have probably memorized this psalm, maybe even parts of this psalm. But over the next six weeks, I'm going to break it down because I don't want you to really miss what's really in this psalm. We might know the words of this psalm, but there is a whole lot more to each verse than we even realize. I'll start off by saying it was written by David, by David, who later became King David, uh, he starts out in Psalms chapter 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Now, that's the King James Version. Growing up as a kid, I always got confused by that language. I thought, first of all, you're saying he's my precious shepherd, and then you're saying, I don't want him. It's not that way at all. The real translation is, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. I shall not have lack for anything because he's going to provide everything that I need. If you think about the author of this psalm, David, who is describing the Lord as his shepherd, he's only speaking out of personal experience. Because if you know anything about David, in his early years as a boy, he set out in the sheep pasture tending his father's sheep and spent a whole lot of time with the sheep. And because he spent a whole lot of time with the sheep, he learned a lot of things about sheep. So today, we're going to look at the role of God as our shepherd, and we're going to see what that means to us. And verse 1 is not only the first verse in this psalm, it's the foundational verse of this psalm. Everything else David says, says after this builds on this very first verse. But I want to look at the very first two words, the Lord, the Lord. It, notice it doesn't say a Lord, it says the Lord. And this is huge because it's not a Lord. David isn't describing a God that is one of many gods. He's describing a God that is the one and only true God, the one and only true Lord. But thinking about this whole thing, I think we have this kind of weird mindset sometimes when we think of God and who he is. Sometimes, whether we admit it or not, we treat God like a genie in a bottle. We pray prayers like, God, help me get that great parking place up front at the mall. We prayed that before. God, help me get a date. We prayed that before. Oh, Lord, help me to score 25 points in the basketball game tonight. And then after we pray that prayer... We put God back in the bottle until we need him again. Amen? The bad thing about that whole thing, when we pray, we're acting like we're commanding God to do what we want him to do, when we want him to do, and how he, we want him to do it. We're acting like we're in control. Let me just give you a heads up. It doesn't work that way. Or we might think of him as number two, a grandpa. We might think of God as this old guy with a long gray beard. Yeah, he's smart and he knows everything. But I'm thinking about when I'm thinking of God as an old guy, hey, I'm getting to be an old guy. I'm at a grandpa age. I'm actually a grandpa. And there are times as a grandpa, I get tired. I doze off and I fall asleep. I don't know about you other grandpas in the house. You know, Cheryl and I and Austin will be sitting there to watch a TV program, and sometimes I'm the first to doze off and fall asleep. That's how we feel about God sometimes. I'll just say this, grandpas are great, they're awesome when they're awake, amen? But they tend to tire real easily. Or thirdly, we might think of God as the overly busy dad. He's the dad that gets up and goes to work before you even get out of bed, and he comes home after dinner time, sometimes when you're back in bed. Or he goes on overnight business trips. Uh, then on the weekend, he comes home, you don't see him because he has to mow the yard, take care of the house. And he shows up on Sunday to come to church with you, maybe. But come Monday, same old, same old. The routine starts up all over again. Well, I only said all that to say God, uh, David is not talking about a God as a shepherd that's anything like that at all. And I know that because of how the word Lord is printed in this text. The word Lord is in all caps. It's in all capital letters. Do you realize if you're reading your word, you're reading your word, and you come across a word that's in all caps, you ought to 
take special note of that word. You ought to pay special attention to that word. Lord capitalized is the Hebrew name which is often translated as Yahweh, a name for God, or Jehovah. I think we have a hard time realizing the power and the depth of that word because we lack an understanding of that word and an understanding of that name. In this verse, whether you understand it or not, Lord is the most respected name given in all of the scriptures. This word, Lord, was so sacred to the Hebrew people that if they were reading their Bible out in public and they came up to that word, Lord, they wouldn't dare say it. They wouldn't speak it. They would substitute another name in that word because they knew only one person was allowed to say that word, and it was the high priest. And when the Israelites would translate the scriptures, the scribes would translate the scriptures, when they would come across that word Lord, they reverenced it so much that they would stop everything, put down their pen, they would go take a bath, they would wash themselves completely, put on new clothes, they would come back, write that word down, and as soon as they finished writing that word, the name of the Lord, they would throw away the pen. They reverenced the name of the Lord so much. Now let me ask you, think about how far we have fallen from reverencing the name of the Lord in our culture today. I think it's pitiful. I think it is so sad where we have lowered the name of the Lord to in our culture, even in our church. Exodus 3.13, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them, Moses says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, do you know anyone else that ever, when they're asked their name, just says, I am? Do you know anybody like that? If they did that, you would say, okay, you are what? Or you are who? We always put another word behind that kind of statement, like, I'm happy. I'm sad, I'm strong, I'm Dwayne, I'm Joe, I'm Bill, I'm whoever. God doesn't do that. He just says flat out, I am, period, end of story. Because when it comes to God, he doesn't need a description because he never changes. He is what he is, and he is and always will be what he's been. Amen? He never changes. Matter of fact, the name Jehovah literally means I am, I always have been, and I always will be. I think that pretty well covers the gamut. Amen. I think that covers it from one end to the other. Max Lucado, a wonderful minister of God, once said this about God. He said, God, our shepherd, doesn't check the weather. He makes it. He doesn't defy gravity. He created it. He isn't affected by health. He has no body. And because he has no body, he has no limitations. He is as equally active in Cambodia as he is in Connecticut. All that Max Lucado is saying is you and I serve a big, big God. We serve an immeasurable uh, God. Psalms 139, uh, verse 7. Listen to what the psalmist uh, says about God. He says, where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are also there. Think about that statement, how awesome our God really is. We can never go anywhere far enough away from God that he isn't already there. Amen? He's already been there. We can't can't outrun God. You can't run far enough away to run away from God. 
Don't we all need that kind of a shepherd? Don't we? I need that kind of a shepherd every day. And I do believe he is the great I am. You realize no one created God. No one breathed uh, air into God's lungs. No one birthed God into existence. And that ought to be comforting because because of all that, no one can ever take him away. Amen? He's, the, he's, the, he's not ever scared or afraid of our storms. He doesn't tremble when he hears the word or name cancer. I would say we don't need a lesser God when it comes to God that we just put up on a shelf and pull down when we need him or put him in a bottle and pop him out like a genie when we need him. We need the type of God that flung the stars into the universe, amen? We need the type of God that said, let there be and there was, that created and breathed life out of nothing. You know, we need that kind of God. And the truth is, this morning, we have that kind of God. And David confirms it in this psalm. What he's saying is this God, he is our shepherd. Amen? Well, he wasn't saying that just for his generation. He was saying that for the generations to come and the generations behind him. He is our shepherd. So what can we learn from David's description? If you're taking notes, we can learn a couple of things, really a lot of things, but I'm going to bring up two main things. First of all, we can learn about the character of God. I think maybe one of the reasons many of us go through worries and fears and about different situations in our lives is because we really don't have a true understanding of the real character of God. Do you know the metaphor of a shepherd is used 60 times in 54 verses in the Bible? It speaks of a God of compassion, speaks of a God of protection, speaks of a God of provision, speaks of a God that leads us along the right paths, but it also speaks of a God that in His mercy, God seeks us out when we go astray and brings us back to the fold. He seeks us out. He comes after us. He's the God, the shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Amen? Not many earthly shepherds would do that. They'd say, well, I've still got 99. No, when Jesus needs to go after a shepherd, go after a sheep, he leaves the nine and goes after the one. Listen to how Jesus puts it in John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What kind of shepherd? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for those sheep. You know, a hired hand tends the sheep because he's hired to tend the sheep. Amen? He, hire, he tends the sheep because that's his job. He's paid to do his job. Not like that with a shepherd. The shepherd tends the sheep because he loves the sheep. The shepherd tends the sheep because he's committed to the sheep. So when it comes to Jesus, he wasn't just out there as a shepherd doing his job. He's committed. He's committed to you and me this morning. He's so committed that he laid down his life, as that first verse said. He laid his life down for us so that you and I could have life. But he goes on in verse 14. Look what it says. I am the good shepherd again. And then he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Do you see? There's a relationship there. There's a personal relationship there. And if there isn't with you, God wants there to be a personal relationship. But when I think of a flock of sheep, I think sheep pretty much look the same. Amen? I mean, if you look at a whole flock of sheep, pretty much you're going to say, well, one looks like the other. Not with a shepherd. I read how one shepherd can pick out one sheep out of 2,500 sheep in less than five minutes just by the way that sheep holds its head, 
by the look in that sheep's eyes, by the way that sheep bleats, or by the way that sheep walks. They could even tell by that sheep's droppings that they leave behind, or drops of blood. What I'm saying is that shepherd has a personal relationship with not just one sheep. He doesn't pick out his favorite. That shepherd has a personal relationship with every sheep. So just like a shepherd knows his sheep, guess what? God knows you and me, each by name, and calls us by name. Yeah, he knows our faults. He knows our sins. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And he, le- he loves us each individually and uniquely. And I believe that's why David can, with all of his heart, say, the Lord is my shepherd. In Psalms 139, God tells us uh, uh, that God knows us. David said, God knows me. Listen to what he says in verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And this one has always got me. Just how God knows every detail of your lives. Matthew 10.30 said, God even knows how many hairs are on our heads. Amen? That's a pretty detailed God right there. It's saying he knows us completely. He knows us totally. He knows your thoughts. He even knows the words before you even speak them. Amen? That's how detailed God is about you and me, his sheep. How many times have you ever been separated from your child? Maybe in a group of other children, a big group of other children, and you can still recognize their laugh or their cry, their voice among the crowd. Uh, I can recognize Cheryl's voice or her laugh among a crowd of people. I can recognize my son Austin's voice among a crowd of people. And it's all because I know them. I have a personal relationship with them. Well, do you know God knows us even greater than that, closer than that? He knows us individually. He knows exactly where we are, and he knows exactly what we need. Even if we've made mistakes, and we all have, he knows how to bring us back and restore us back to his plan back to his will, back to the sheepfold, back to the family of God. Isn't that a great God? Isn't that an awesome God? I heard about a gathering that took place years ago in London. Uh, The people were actually having a big gathering, a party, and among those people there was a pretty well-known actor. There was also a very unknown old country preacher. And someone, when they realized this great actor was there, they asked him to recite the 23rd Psalm. The actor with his beautiful voice and beautiful articulation and his great drama skills recited the 23rd Psalm, and after he finished, the room exploded with applause. Well, someone saw the old preacher was there, and they said, uh, uh, could you recite the 23rd Psalm for us? And he was embarrassed. He said, I'm not going to follow that guy and what he's done, that great actor. But they wouldn't give in, so he gave in and said, okay, I'll do it. He didn't have the skills of the actor. He didn't have the dramatic flair of the actor. But he started reciting the 23rd Psalm. And immediately people knew that he wasn't speaking that psalm from his head. He was speaking it from his heart. And when he got finished, no one clapped. There was no applause. But there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And the actor stood back up and he thanked everyone for their applause. But he says, there is one big difference between me and this dear man. Yeah, I know the psalm. But he knows the shepherd. I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. This morning, that makes all the difference in the world. You might know the words of the psalm, but do you know him 
as the great shepherd? Do you know him as your shepherd? The second thing, if you're taking notes, that we can learn from David's description is the shepherd always provides. Always. Not just once in a while. He will always be faithful and he will always provide. You know, uh, everybody loves sports, especially high school sports. There are a lot of kind of hilarious uh, sports mascots out there. Uh, one I heard recently was the Skeeters from Mesquite uh, High School in Mesquite, Texas. I'm thinking, yeah, it's okay to be a bug for a mascot, but a Skeeter? I mean, how intimidating is a mosquito on the ball field? Just wondering. Well, the speed in Speedway, Indiana, home of the Indy 500 race, the local high school there is known as the Speedway Spark Plugs. I kind of understand that one. Around here, Tuscola's the Warriors, Villa Grove's the Blue Devils, Arthur's the Knights, Arcola's the Purple Riders, yeah, Fisher's the Bunnies, that's for sure. <laughs> but think if you were a church, uh, think if you were a high school that was called the Lambs. You were called the Lambs. Just think about a Friday night announcer coming on and saying, we've got the Wolverines tonight taking on the Lambs. And it's going to be bad <laughs> for the lambs. It's going to be horrible for the lambs. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be called the lambs. Have you ever seen a sheep do a trick? No, and you won't because they're too dumb to do a trick. You can't teach them to do a trick. Sheep are also defenseless. Do you realize sheep don't have fangs? They don't have claws to protect themselves. And sheep are also very dirty animals. You know, dogs and cats can somewhat clean themselves, not sheep. When they become filthy, they stay filthy. So David is comparing us to sheep. And before you get insulted and disgusted and defensive, he might be calling us and referring to us as sheep, but by doing that, he's referring to God as our shepherd, a shepherd who's responsible for all the needs of the sheep, uh, for water, for food, for shelter, for security and safety? Do you realize the shepherd's job is not a now-and-then job, not part-time job? It's an around-the-clock job that he has to be there all the time? I actually heard where sheep will stay on a piece of pasture that is totally barren, totally depleted of grass and water until they die, unless they have the guidance of their shepherd to take them on to a new pasture. And sheep are no match for their predators without the protection of their shepherd. Guess who else are no match for our predators against the attacks of the evil one, Satan, in our lives? We're only going to overcome him if we're standing in the strength and security and the protection of our shepherd. And when it comes to sheep, whenever they're in a dangerous situation, they don't even make an effort to escape. They'll stand there in the middle of their consequences because of their complacency that's the way it is with our spiritual lives sometimes. Sometimes Satan attacks us. We give in or we succumb to that attack because we have drifted from the shepherd, because we have walked away from the shepherd. But when it comes to the good shepherd, whatever the sheep need, that shepherd's going to provide. Our problem is, as being human beings, we think what we need is things. What we need is stuff. Hey, do you realize your stuff is really not your stuff? No one takes it with them when we leave this earth, amen? I've, I heard that saying, you never see a luggage rack on the top of a hearse, amen? That's the truth. 
I heard about the richest man in the one of the richest men in the world, John D. Rockefeller, years ago when he died. His accountant was asked, well, how much money did John D. leave behind? And his accountant said simply, all of it. He left all of it. You know, whenever you and I chase after stuff, if we're not careful, we'll turn God back into that genie in a bottle. But what you are and who you are and what you have, your cars, your houses, your clothes, your possessions, they don't define you. And the truth is, when it gets down to it, God's not all that concerned about that, things and stuff. He's concerned about this. He's concerned about your heart. In fact, when he went to choose David to be king, David had seven other brothers. They all looked like kings. David was out in the sheep pasture tending the sheep when uh, he sent Samuel to anoint the next king. They were all looking at out of Benadab, the oldest brother, and he looked like a king, stood like a king, and the rest of the brothers did too. But God was not looking on the outward appearance, as it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I am so glad that God just doesn't look at our physical lives as who we are on this outside because we're going to disappoint most people, but we're never going to disappoint God because he's looking past this outer facade and he's looking on the heart and he's looking for a heart that will give itself to him and love him and surrender to him and bless him. And the beautiful thing about our Savior and about our shepherd, he doesn't just give us everything we need, he is. Everything that we need. If you're hungry, Bible says he's the bread of life. If you're thirsty, he's the living water. If you're in the dark, he's the light of the world. If you're lost, he's the way. If you need it, he has it. And if he doesn't have it, you don't need it. Amen? Today, honestly, you might know God as a shepherd. You might know him as the shepherd. But check your heart this morning. Can you honestly say, the Lord is my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. You realize that's really the bottom line with God? That's what really counts with God? It's not what it looks like out here. It's what it looks like on the inside within your heart. So to wrap this thing up, how do we make the Lord our shepherd? We make it harder than it really is. It's really so simple. First of all, you just have to acknowledge him as your shepherd. But the truth is, before the Lord becomes your shepherd, you have to realize that you need a shepherd. As I said a little bit ago, sheep are out there and sometimes they wander away by accident. Sometimes they're not paying attention and little by little they take a few steps away from the shepherd. Little by little they take a few more steps away. Little by little they take a few more steps away from the shepherd. And before long they're totally out of sight. They've separated themselves from the shepherd. That's a whole lot like us as sheep. You know, our sins may start out small, even as a thought. But the more time we spend thinking of that thought, that thought transitions into an action. And when we take this action and we take that action and this action and that action, we're stepping further away from the shepherd and we look up and we're totally separated from our shepherd, Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. We all, that's all. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you realize that's why God sent Jesus Christ to this earth? To go after the wandering sheep and bring them back into a relationship with him? Bring them back into a relationship with the Savior, which brings me to the last thing I'm going to say today. 
Secondly, you have to accept Him. You've got to accept Him as your Lord and your shepherd for it to be a real relationship with God, our great shepherd. Then you have to follow Him. You can't just say the words. You have to follow Him totally and completely. You have to let Him and follow Him like a sheep follows a shepherd. We have to follow Him. There's a true story about a little boy who had a terminal illness. The doctors had done everything they could possibly do, and finally they told the parents, we can't do any more. You've just got to take the little boy home with you and let him die at home. The parents called their pastor. The pastor went over to the little boy's house to pray with the little boy who was coming in and out of consciousness. He never even acknowledged that the pastor was there. But the pastor sat in that little boy's room till late that night praying for that little boy. After a while, the parents asked the pastor, and he went home, sorry, he went home. He went home after praying for him. He got a call early the next morning that the little boy had died. Well, he immediately went over to the parents' house to console them, to pray with them, to weep with them, to comfort them. And after a while, the parents asked the pastor, Pastor, could you explain something that happened last night when our little boy was dying? They said, in the hours before our son died, and even at the time of his death, he was holding the left the ring finger of his left hand with his right hand. He wouldn't let go of it, and he died in that position. Do you know what that means? The pastor kind of smiled. And he said, last night I wanted to talk to your son, who I knew was probably going to die, about the importance of being a Christian and knowing Jesus Christ. But he said, I wanted to talk to him in a child's language in a way that he could understand. So what I did, I took your little boy's hand, and I held his left thumb. And I held it in my hand and I said the word thee. Because we're talking about a one of a kind here. Then I took the little boy's index finger. And I said the Lord. I said Lord. Because it's the Lord that cares for you. Then I took his middle finger and I said the word is. Because God is right here, right now. Then I took his ring finger and I said my. Because in order to get to heaven, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Then I took his little pinky finger, and I said, shepherd, because he's the one that died for us. He's the one that cared for us, and who takes us to heaven, and his name is Jesus. So the pastor looked at the parents and said, your little boy didn't say anything when I was with him last night. I didn't even know if he heard me, but now I do know he heard me, because before he died... The reason he had his hand around that finger was to say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And the reason he was holding on to his ring finger is because he was saying, he's mine. He belongs to me and I belong to him. This morning, can you honestly say from the depths of your heart, he belongs to me and I belong to him? Can you say that you're living for him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Can you say that you're loving him with everything you've got? I can't even say that. So this sermon is for me first. We all need a closer relationship with a God that loves us, that was willing to send His Son to lay down His life so that you and I could have life not only here and not only abundantly, but forever, for eternity. That ought to be a moment to say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah to the name of God. Hallelujah to your sacrifice and for your love, Jesus. Do you trust Him with your life this morning? Do you believe that He is your great shepherd, that you can trust Him? Even when life is falling apart, you can depend on Him. He sees what you need before you get there. There's not anything so far away from Him that He doesn't see it before it gets there. 
and he doesn't see what you're going to face, but he promises he'll be with us. That shepherd will go after the 90, not go after the one. Amen. We serve that kind of a shepherd. So today, if you can say the Lord is my shepherd, let me just say you don't have any worries, really, because he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of everything you need. I didn't say he's going to take care of everything you want. He's going to take care of everything that you need. But if you can't say that about this shepherd I'm talking about this morning, check your heart. And if you need this shepherd I'm talking about, we make it so hard sometimes, it's so simple to say, Jesus, maybe for the first time in my life, I see I need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. I'm wandering out there in this pasture of this world where there's barren ground, and I need a Savior that will give me the living water. I need a Savior that will give me salvation. I need a Savior. So if that's you this morning, it's simple. All you have to say is, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. I open my heart and I invite you to come in. You know, I pray that prayer quite often. Oh, I know I'm saved. But I just renew my vows to God almost on a daily basis in my prayers. I want to be right and I want to be ready when my great shepherd comes back to take me home. Amen? I want to be ready and I want you to be ready. So could you stand your feet this morning? I believe it was simple as that. With every head bowed, every eye closed. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I need you. As I said, he looks on the heart, not on the outward appearance. He hears the voice of your heart. And I believe he's that powerful and mighty. When you surrender to him, you become his totally and completely. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for those that have made fresh commitments today. I pray, Lord God, that they would understand you in a way they've never understood you before, to feel your presence, the presence of a great shepherd watching over them. But I pray, Lord God, you would help us all to know you and understand you as being our shepherd. Not just as a shepherd, Lord, but as our shepherd. Not just as a Lord, but our Lord. Lord God, help us to depend upon you as our provider, our protector, our guide. Draw our hearts closer to you and help our hearts to hear your voice and follow you every day of our lives. And Father God, let this be a challenge to this congregation today. That every day we wake up, we will be determined to stay closer to our shepherd than ever before. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you believe that and agree with that, say amen with me. God bless you all. Have a beautiful Sunday in his name. Hallelujah.